0: This morning, we're going through Genesis 49, and we'll go through the entirety of the chapter. This is the second to last chapter of the book of Genesis, and it's Jacob's last words. If you'll remember, Jacob is kind of the main character for the last half of Genesis. With some departures and additions and Joseph and stuff. But Jacob is also called Israel. It's where we get the name for the, the modern day country. That's where people get their cultural identity from. is from Jacob. Or also known as Israel. And he had 12 sons. And he had a long life with them. And we're, he's about to give us his last words for his sons. Um, and... We've looked at some of their sons, and we'll talk a little bit more about what they did and why he's saying these things in a moment, but um, these are his last words, and this is the wisdom that he's uh, imparting to his children before he leaves. Um, So let's, let's get into it. And Jacob called his sons and said, Gather together that I may tell you what shall befall you in the last days. Pause there. So that like the last days, like he's he's going to be talking about what has happened, but he's also talking about the future of these people that will become tribes. They're they're each one is going to become a tribe and they're going to own land and they're going to be a big part of Israel history, some of them, most, some of them, um, and he's having kind of a prophetic word about what will befall them, what what their past has been like will be a little bit like their future, and in these there is a little bit of a warning in some of them that we can learn from, so Nisetsu, gather together and hear you sons of Jacob and listen to your Israel your father. Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might, and the beginning of my strength. Yeah, hold on one second. My son is stuck. Can you hear me now? Alright. So, Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might, and the beginning of my strength. The excellence of dignity and the excellence of power. Unstable as water, Yonsetsu. You shall not excel, because you went up to your father's bed. Then you defiled it. He went up to my couch. So here is Jacob's last words to his son Reuben, his eldest, um, from Leah. So... He is the one who should be receiving the blessing. He is the one that should be receiving the inheritance, but he's being disqualified from it because of some of his actions in the past. Most specifically, he w- went up to sleep with his father's one of his father's wives, and we see that it, in the past we don't. When it happened, we don't see much reaction to it there's no response there's no punishment but we see here that it's not okay like Jacob Jacob's been holding on to this and it's it's one of the the last things that kind of comes out of his father's mouth for his son Uh, and whereas he he should have been his excellency of power where he should have been his strength He is the firstborn, his might. There's a bit of a sting to these words because he is his firstborn, but he's not getting any of the firstborn's inheritance. And what the issue is, uh, is just sexual immorality. So just, we... Today, in modern day, we we don't think so much about the purity of our our bodies or the way that we act or the way that we live in this life because everyone else is doing it i can move in with my girlfriend before we get married and i can uh, sleep with my boyfriend or girlfriend and it's such a normal part of culture but when you look at what the bible has to say about what god has said about our our sexual purity like he wants us to to be pure he wants us to be separate from what the rest of the world is doing and there's it's interesting how often this comes up in the scriptures there's a lot that can be said but i'm I'm going to sum up so in the old testament there were these kind of purity laws like you need to keep yourselves pure and separate and even two thousand years ago when when paul was writing How do I don't It came up a lot. A lot of it is involved with pagan worship back then, but all it also the words that are used are not just about pagan worship, but just sleeping around in sexual promiscuity. Like it's it's not good. And so I want to point just to this one verse of how important it is. If you don't know, it's important um, in Acts fifteen. Oh boy, I need to do it. Jump, jump. So, one second. X 15. I want to start in verse 5. We're just going to read one verse. That's a little better. Um, and in the English it says uh, But some of the sect of the Pharisees, these are religious people, who believed, rose up, saying, It is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. So in Acts 15 there's this great debate about the new believers in Jesus Christ and what is their relationship with the law of Moses that's the Old Testament and uh, the the major first issue is is about circumcision about making themselves basically look like Israelites or Jews but the conversation that we're we're going to kind of skip over and read the the results of the conversation. They're considering all of the law of Moses. That's the first five books of the Bible. <coughs> and and this is what they're considering. And This is what they're talking about. They're talking about do not murder. They're talking about honor of mother and your father. They're talking about don't steal. Don't commit adultery. Um, just... All, there are 613 laws contained in what they say, that the law of Moses. So this is what they're talking about. All of these laws. And, and they talk for a while. It's a really cool story. Uh, I highly suggest it. But so the, the, the issue is there are these Israelites. And then there are these Gentile believers. So Gent- Israelites come from Israel like we've been talking about. And Gentile believers or Gentiles are just people that are not Israelites. They're Geiko Kujin, they're foreigners, they're strangers to Israel, but they're receiving the Holy Spirit through belief They're, they're uttering in tongues and they, they, they're having conversion experiences, and they don't know what to do with them because up to the kind of this point or a few chapters before, it was all just Israelite people that were receiving the Holy Spirit or Jesus through um, belief. But then suddenly Cornelius and his household and some other Gentiles start having the the same response to the gospel. So they're like, well what do we do? Do they do we make them into Jews? Do we have to be circumcised, not eat pork, bacon, sausage? Um, do they have to follow all of the same rules and laws that we do? And they talk for a while and they have a couple points, but I wanna they wrote this letter, we're going to skip down to 23 through 29, 23, so we're starting here, niju san set It. kara um, Niju-29, kokodosu. So I want to read this, this letter, uh, they wrote this letter by them, the apostles, the elders, and the brethren, to the brethren who are are of the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Greetings. need you yawn, Setsu. You're going to do that. I won't do that again. All right. Since we have heard that some of you went out from us, have troubled you with words unsettling your souls, saying you must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment. So again, they're they're reiterating what's up. Do we keep the law of Moses or not? Should we be circumcised? And so, in this letter, he's saying we've talked about this, and someone said that you do have to do this, but we didn't tell them that. It seems good to us. Need you go? It seemed good to us, being assembled with one accord, to send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, you Roku, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have. Nana. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who will also report the same things by word of mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. So these are necessary. The other 613, we, we are not telling you that you need to do those. But these four things is necessary. That's so interesting. They boil 613 laws down to four. Need you to that you abstain from things offered to idols. So like meats or uh, uh, sacrifices to false gods. From blood, drinking or eating of blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. So, there's... A lot of people that will tell you that we need to observe the law, we need to return to the Ten Commandments we need to do the now that we're saved from um, from God's wrath, now that we know Jesus, we now return to the law, but back then in the first century, they were not telling people to return to the law. they were more worried about keeping you pure from the world's contamination from this idol worship. From blood because uh, I the Israelites look down at all the pagans and they're drinking of blood during uh, f- festivals and things because they're pagans. this is what they do things strangled and from sexual immorality it's it's so interesting we have these like three very idle temp uh, temple shrine worship stuff and sexual immorality, which was also temple worship stuff back then but but it's it's also more than that. And, and this doesn't change. God still wants us to be sexually pure. He doesn't want us to be sleeping around through different uh, marriages or boyfriends or girlfriends. He wants us to have one woman and one wife as, as he has made in the beginning. And it's so important that it makes it into this letter that's going to go out to all the Gentiles. Like, yes, we have this Old Testament. We've got 613 laws. But just focus on these four things and you're going to do well. If you believe in God, if you hear the gospel and believe... Stay away from these four things and you, you're you're golden. So I just want to bring that up because here's what Reuben did. He was sexually immoral. He slept with his father's, one of his father's wives. And this is not okay ever in any place or any time. Uh, verse, we're going to go back to Genesis. I'm juggling my screen. We'll go a little quicker we're yeah. five Simeon and Levi are brothers instruments of cruelty are in their dwelling place let not uh, Rokusatsu. let not my soul enter their council and not my honor be united to their assembly for their anger they slew a man and their self-willed they hamstrung an ox curse be their anger for it is fierce and their wrath for it is cruel I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel oh. So, I'll also point out, going back to Reuben real quick, Sonsetsu, uh, Yonsetsu, that, mo, that none of the people from the tribe of Reuben excelled. None of them were kings or judges or prophets or priests. None of them are of any note in the future, which is an interesting thing. Now, here in Simeon and Levi, um, he's talking about the now, but he's also talking about the future. And so, slowly, uh, Simeon is going to be absorbed into the tribe of Judah, and so it says here um, that they'll be divided them into Jacob, so it's that they'll be scattered in Israel. So they're they're actually going to be scattered and and kind of divided up. It and Levi will never actually inherit a land. They're going to inherit cities, which will literally make them um, divided everywhere. Now there, these last words are because of their cruelty. They went and slew an entire city because of their uh, sister Dinah, and so they—they just have this anger in them. They're just cruel, and even when the people that put Joseph, the now the the second command of Egypt, they they wanted to kill him, and and it was Judah that stepped in and said, "Let's not kill them. Let, let's not do that. We'll we'll sell we'll sell them into slavery, and that way they're they're not dead." Um, but he says just these. These are hard words to say to your kids as your last words on your bed. He doesn't want to be like associated with those kinds of people after he dies. He let let not my soul enter their council. He doesn't want to be unified with them um, because of their anger. Because they're self-willed. They're they're doing what they think is right no matter what their father says, no matter what anyone else says, they're, they're leading their own lives. And they're just full of anger, wrath, and cruelty. Um, So it's interesting. Later on, the Levites will become priests. And they're going to be spread throughout all of the land. And they'll still be a little bit of this curse. They're still going to be quick-tempered and uh, sort of cruel in the way that they... they rule and reign. Um, Verse 8, Hachisetsu. Uh, This is the longest blessing. This is to Judah, Hachisetsu. Judah, you are he whom your brothers shall praise. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's children shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He bows down, he lies down as a lion, and as a lion who shall rouse him. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh comes. And to him shall be the obedience of the people, binding his donkey to the vine, and the donkey's colt to the choice vine. He washed his garments in wine, and his clothes in the blood of grapes. Uh, Junisetsu. His eyes are darker than wine, and his teeth whiter than milk. Sorry. Um, So this is the longest blessing that goes to Judah. So it it appears that the blessing of the the firstborn was passed over because of the sexual immorality. And then passed over the next two eldest sons, Simeon and Levi, because of their anger. And it falls on Judah, the fourthborn, to get this blessing of being a a line of kings. And, And as we know, looking forward, this is the line that Jesus is going to be born from. Jesus is going to be the one that's going to fulfill this last half of this passage. Because until Shiloh comes, Shiloh's um, peace, um, uh, the ruler that comes from peace, uh, until he comes, these things aren't going to happen. So he he's giving a future prophecy of, of the great rule that will one day be. And... Uh, it's going to be such a great place that they're going to have plenty because, as you, you wouldn't bind a donkey to a vine because he would chew that vine and destroy it. So they're they're not worried about the grapevine because they've got so much. And it's the same idea with that he washed his garments in wine and clothes in the blood of grape. Like how expensive wine was back then. And how precious it was to them. Because it took a lot of time and energy to grow the grapes. Then to make the wine. Then to ferment it. Like it was very precious. But, but here we see that they're, they're washing the clothes. And it's, it, it's such a great time of plenty. Which we have not yet seen. Uh, until he comes. Um, this is just an old way of saying Power. And uh, I think this one is honor. It's, it's just how they it'll come up in their poetry. And these are just kind of normal ways that they say power and honor. Um, so Judah will be the line of kings. And we will see for as long as Israel is a country in the historic past, that the kings will come from Judah. They're the rightful kings of the area. There'll be a division later on that we'll get into. But Judah always has a king in it. And that we get this nice lion symbolism which, which kind of carries through the line into uh, everything that's going on in the future. That the kings have a lion as their symbol. Now we're going to go a little bit quicker here. Verse uh, 13, Jews' son. Zebulun shall dwell by the haven of the sea. He shall become a haven for ships and his border shall adjoin Sidon. That's the next son. And he's just saying that he's going to be by the sea. Ishtar is a strong donkey laying down between two burdens. He saw the rest was good and the land was pleasant. He bowed his shoulder to bear a burden and became a band of slaves. So, here we've got more prophetic stuff going out from him that Ishtar is going to be a hardworking people. They're going to be very agricultural because of um, they're going to farm. They'll eventually become slaves and won't fight back over an invading horde, and they'll they'll disappear into them as as slaves. So he's he's giving this very very future prophetic word about his, this son's tribe. Uh, Judoku. Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan shall be a serpent by the way, a viper by the path that bites the horse's heels, so that its rider shall fall backwards. Juhachi, I have waited for your salvation, O Lord. So here's Dan, who's going to be have some judges come from him, um, but you see this serpent ideology that they're going to be uh, maybe uh, double double-minded. They're going to be um, saying one thing and doing another, and that they're they're going to be a, an issue in the future. And this first eighteen juhachi is. It, he just named off a bunch of his sons and the promises they're going to have and he says like I've waited on your salvation O Lord like salvation doesn't come from men none of these men are going to be like great men none of them are going to bring salvation of themselves that we need salvation from the Lord we need salvation from God And I want to point out this name here Lord when Lord is all capital in the English, and when it's in bold here in 18, shoe, you can't see it when I have it highlighted that, but so it's a bold shoe, it's it's representing God's holy name, and, and for several reasons the Israelites didn't write his name anymore, so they put in this these four letters to represent God's name, because they thought it was unholy to say or write his name, so anytime you see the, all capitals, or the bold, it's talking about someone's specific name, and they've just replaced it with this Bold or capital word, and sometimes it's God. So sometimes God will be referred to as Lord God, and God will be all capitalized. So it's Lord and God's holy name, which is pronounced Yehovah uh, or Yahweh. Um, It just depends. We we don't actually know exactly how it's pronounced anymore because they've stopped writing it, and so it hadn't really been carried on through. We've we've have a few educated guesses, but we don't know. And that's going to be important later on. So I'm bringing it up now, but just so you know how to read your Bible. When you see the bold shoe, when you see the all capitals, it just means it's actually his proper name. So like for me, my proper name is Jed. And so this is God's proper name. And we, we see that salvation is of the Lord. That he's waiting on salvation from the Lord. That it's not going to come through men. All right, Jew Q. Gad, a troop shall tramp upon him, but he shall triumph at last. So uh, this will be something in the future that that they'll be in constant war for a while because they're going to be one of the tribes on the outskirts and they're going to be attacked and overrun a few times, but they'll they'll break free of those bonds. This this is all like future stuff. If you continue reading your Bible, this is this is what what he's talking about. Uh, need you go or need you bread from Asher shall be rich and he shall yield royal dainties. Um, Naphtali is a deer let loose. He uses beautiful words. Just a few more, a few more sons and the promises that he's giving them. They're pretty, pretty clear. Um, the The deer let loose um, talks about they'll be in the woods and they'll have plenty of animals. and And the deer motif will actually go through um, historically there. What's going on there? Nijuni uh, Joseph is a fruitful bough, a fruitful bough by a well. His branches run over the wall. The archers have bitterly grieved him, shot at him, and hated him. But his bow remained in strength, and the arm of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. And By the God of your father who will help you and by the Almighty who will bless you with blessings of heaven above. Blessings of the deep that lies beneath. Blessings of the breast and of the womb. The blessings of your father have excelled the blessings of my ancestors. Up to the utmost bound of the everlasting hills they shall be on the head of Joseph. And on the crown of the head of him who is separated from his brothers. So we saw last week uh, Israel was blessing Joseph's two sons, uh, Eph- Ephraim and Manasseh. He also gets his own blessing here, which is a, a wonderful blessing of of being something planted by a well. So he'll always have water. He'll always be growing. It'll, it'll go well with him, and he'll expand. We're going to come back and talk about this verse here, um, verse 27. The last son, Benjamin, is a ravenous wolf. In the morning, he shall devour the prey, and at night, he shall divide the spoil. So they're they're very tough and Ravenous, like need you. No, sorry, need you. No, no. it's the last blessing to Benjamin. Uh, verse 28: need you, All these are the 12 tribes of Israel, and that is what their father spoke to them. And he blessed them, he blessed each one according to his own blessing. Need you, Q. Yeah. Then he charged them and said to them, I am to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephraim the Hittite, and that cave that is in the field of Machpelah which is before Mamre in the land of Canaan, which Abraham bought with the field of Ephron the Hittites as a possession for a burial place, Sanjuichi. There they buried Abraham and his wife, and Sarah his wife. They were buried. There they buried Isaac and Rebekah, his wife, and there I buried Leah, Sanju-ni. The field and the cave that is there were purchased from the sons of Heth, sanju son, And when Jacob had finished commanding his sons, he drew his feet up into his bed and breathed his last, and he was gathered to his people. So the idea of gathering to his people is he he's leaving here on earth, and he's being gathered to his family in in the heavenly places and in, in the in the place that they go after death, which is another conversation what happens after death, but here is all the blessings of everyone and it's it's so interesting here when he talks about this is the first book this is three and a half thousand years old uh as as we judge it and and here are these these very early mentions of by the hands of mighty god of jacob so 24 um from there is the shepherd the stone of israel now there are these these names that they give to god that that sometimes you need to like think about and do research on and learn what they mean and and what they imply and i'm going to do that a little bit today just real briefly real quickly to talk about the shepherd uh all the names we you should really look at they're very interesting things to do and so there's this first mention of the shepherd now later on when david is king he's gonna scroll okay he's going to make mention of the shepherd this is a very famous uh, psalm psalm 23 i just want to look at the first verse you should go read the rest of it as wonderful homer because it's a great verse but in psalm 23 it says the lord is my shepherd i shall not want so there there's that bold shoe again there's that capitalized lord so this is David saying that the Lord, Yah- Yahweh, is his shepherd. And so here's that same shepherd idea being carried through uh, another thousand years later. And I just want to point out this morning to everyone, just so you can like think about this, but in the New, New Testament, in John, Jesus is, is speaking to some crowds. In John is it 10, 11... Jesus is saying these same words like I am the good sh- shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. And so Jesus is identifying himself very clearly as the shepherd, as the good shepherd. And um there's a lot of oof, strange things out there that that want to make Jesus just a man, just a good teacher, but they say he never claims to be God, but but they don't know their Bible. They don't read as as well as they need to that here's Jesus claiming to be the shepherd which is who dave is talking to it's what genesis is alluding to like jesus is claiming to be the shepherd and i just want to point that out to everyone because it's so important that we get who jesus is right if he's just a man then we've got a big problem because he lived a sinless life we should be able to do the same thing if he's just a man. We should be able to live that perfect, sinless life. But as far as I think there's like 8 billion people in the world, I don't see anyone doing that. It is impossible task. So he can't just be a human, he has to be something else. And so the traditional Christians, Christians that read the Bible, see that he is born a man, but he has always been, and he is God that's come down to earth for us. And he came down for us to live a perfect life because he knew that we couldn't do it. He knew that we were always going to be sinners and we couldn't even make those first steps into being righteous like like he is. And so he did that for us. He came to earth for us to live that perfect life so that we may be seen right with God. We may have righteousness before god not not our own righteousness but god's righteousness is applied to us not because we've earned it not because we're good but because of what god has done because god is good and because god is perfect and then he reconciled he brought us back together through the, his death on the cross he paid for that sin so that we no longer have sin holding keeping us away from god we can now go freely to the father through jesus and we can ask things for, in prayer and we can be comforted because we're not alone. And there's this amazing relationship. And then he didn't stop there. He came back from the dead. He he was resurrected into his uh, an immortal body as a, a promise to us, a hope for us, that we too, if we fall in his footsteps, will also receive. We'll have eternal life with him. And that's such a great promise that... That we have, and we have such a, a great um, Father for for planning all of this, for sending Jesus to die for us, and uh, to bringing us back into into relationship with Him. Like He's always wanted, He desires to be in a relationship with us. And so, if you don't don't know what that relationship's like, if you don't know uh, the, the peace that comes from being one of the children of God, like. Commit your life, commit your way to the Lord. Seek Him first over money, over family, over happiness. Seek the Lord first. And all those things will be applied back to you. But but He wants to be in a relationship with us because He loves us. He loves us so much that He sent His Son to die for us so that we could come to Him freely. And that's all we have to do is believe and and seek Him. And as we do that we'll we'll see the love, we'll see how much of how big a sinners we are, and and we'll want to change out of a, a desire of loving. Not because we have to, not because there are rules, not because I need to earn my way into heaven. You can't do that. We change because of that love that He's shown us. While we still hated Him, while we didn't care about Him, He still died for us. And that love drives us and helps us to chase after Him and be more made in His image, in the image of Jesus. So, seek the Lord each and every day, read his word, pray to him, and listen to what he has to say. Lord God, thank you for the stay you've given us, thank you for your holy word which you gave us, that we may just rightly divide it and learn from you, Lord, and I pray that you would be with each and every one of us and help us to remember your gospel, the the things the truth that you spoke to us about salvation but also about how we should live each and every day remembering you and your death on the cross for us helping us to remember that you came not to be served but to serve that you came and lived a sacrificial life and that's our example that's who we're supposed to be pursuing to be made into the image of lord your son whom you revealed to us lord help us to do that help us to pursue you help us to not worry about meeting the rules or being good. But help us to worry about pursuing you and what that looks like for us in our life. Thank you, Lord, for all that you do for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. Let's